You found it. The no-nonsense, no-script podcast you've been waiting for. Real people on real issues. Welcome to Dynamic Independence. The home of logic, reason, and common sense. Let's do it. Thanks, everybody, for joining us today. I'm Johnny Anderson. I'm sitting down today with Bruce Adams and GP. Good afternoon, gentlemen. How are you guys today? GP, it's good to have you back. How are you? Good. Good. Just uh, doing a little shopping, hoping to get on the PCT within the next What are we buying? Okay. Don't laugh. (laughs) <laughs> it's gonna be hard one. If you say an electric pickup truck, I'm I'm kicking you out of here. Okay, I won't I won't say electric pickup truck. No, um, actually, I'm uh, there. A lot of the hikers have been using different garbs and wardrobes for okay. you know the trails. You know, like doing uh-huh. you know the AT or whatever. Maybe well, the AT generally pretty much every standardized. Yeah, yeah. But the PCT is a hot is a hot to cold to just bizarre weather patterns. A couple of the guys have hiked in kilts. Kilts, like the Scottish kilts. Kilts, like the Scottish kilt. Okay, for, uh, I, I have to admit, I'm, I'm curious. <laughs> yeah, for airing out, you know, while you're right, hiking. Right, right, right. Because you're, you know, when you're going between, you know, I mean, the, the uh, an average hiker is running about 18 to 25. I mean, if you're strong, you can push a 30, but these, uh, and you push enough 30s, you're doing zero days. You, you get chafing and, uh, you know, and, some other frictional issues going on down there. And a kilt would seem like a logical idea to keep uh, a breeze going every now and then. You know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> I'm trying to do this with a straight face because I, I was not expected. Like, how, how are you doing today? How, how's it going? We got a lot to cover today. You're like, yeah, I'm looking at kilts. <laughs> so um, I can see that. I, I can see that. I can yeah. see that they have. Um, I, and I think some. Some airflow down there. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I think that all of us, if we did wear that, it might calm our asses down. Because when you get a nice, comfortable breeze going on, you just can't get angry. You know? <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Sorry. I can't okay. tie this all into right. calming people down. Yeah, this, how oh, can we, how people in the world? are just going crazy. Because you guys have a bunch of articles today and things today we do. about we people just being, just being bizarre. And yeah, I was going weird. with the... What, how can we calm people down today? But yeah. Okay. Bruce, how you doing today? Please don't tell me you're kilt shopping too. I, I, I am not kilt shopping today. Uh, no, um, but Traitor. I am doing well. Uh, <laughs> 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 yeah, I'm, I'm doing well. Uh, you know, healthy okay. life. Uh, yeah, but, yeah, yeah. Uh, I would expect nothing uh, less. So yeah. to start with the crazy, right? To start with the crazy, we've got a high school teacher and a varsity baseball coach who's been fired for tweeting that Donald Trump is our president. So we knew that people were getting surrounded on by the mobs and they were getting fired from their jobs. We knew it, but we didn't know it was actually to this level. Not fully. It would just be something small off to the side. But this guy flat out and I've got I've got the tweet right here. He says, I'm done being silent at real Donald Trump is our president. Four days later, he was asked to resign or be fired quote from him. He says, I was required to meet with human resources and the superintendent and my principal on July 10th. They initially took my statement on why I tweeted those things. And they told me they they would have a decision about my future employment in the upcoming days. When they completed the meeting, I was told I had the option to either be fired or resign. So he said that he didn't mean for the tweet to be divisive. 
I know a lot of people are just rooting for Trump to fail, and I don't think anybody should do that. Agree with him or not, you should want the president to do well. I apologized that my tweet brought so much negative attention, but I'm not sorry for what I said. You know, I, I'm sorry. Not good but enough, comrade. No, it's, it's just I, I'm sorry. Yeah, you, you just you, you didn't you didn't apologize enough. Coach Cusera, you didn't apologize enough. This is where we're going. Right. This is where we're going. You you have it. You have an agenda. You have an agenda. You're pushing on to the education system. You see what the administration's doing of the school systems. I'm not saying every school system is like this, but you see the agenda that's being played out here. Someone has a particular political belief. They get fired. We've seen this before already. And it's just going to continue to get worse. God help you if, you, if this guy gets reelected. You know that if you think it's bad now, then you haven't seen anything yet. It's going to get even worse. What are your guys' thoughts on this guy getting fired just for that? I mean, I would sue the school. I, I would sue the school board. That's what I would do. Yeah, I, honestly, I don't know. I, I would I would want to know more facts on this, right? Some more information before I, I'd really say, okay, yeah, it was, he was in fact fired because of the tweet. You know, maybe he was, uh, you know, incompetent or, or something, you know? I mean, there's, there's other things that could be a, a cause here. However, just on the surface and based on what he's saying, this is supposed to be illegal. You're not supposed to be able to fire someone for their political stance. Or or am I am I living in a in a alternate universe? Did he use did he use the school's website, you know, the school's uh email no. to do all no. this? Did he use No, no, no. His own I'm looking private? at uh, No, I'm looking at his actual tweet from his Twitter account. I'm mm-hmm. looking at it. He says I'm from his own personal account. He says I'm done being silent. Donald Trump is our president. That's it. Is it okay? His own personal, okay, his Twitter account from his own personal, his school, no, no his, his own personal, personal Twitter, account. Twitter account. So that's it. And the school fires and he, him. For uh, that. And the school fires him. Yeah. But see, this is the cancel culture, right? This is it. Right. So if you have an opinion, if you're in a position and the administration or the upper management doesn't like the stance that you take publicly, you're fired. You're out of there. You don't get to have a job. You're non-essential now. Just disgusting. Sorry, just disgusting. Like I said, I would sue the school. I would grab an attorney and I would sue the school. You can't lose that case. I don't I don't see how you say it's illegal, Bruce. I, I don't see how like you can't you can't get fired for that. Go the other way with it. If it's a far leftist talking about Obama, you shouldn't be able to get fired for that either. Right. <laughs> Wait, it's changing the narrative. Change it a little bit and say it's a homosexual and you fired him because they were homosexual. Yeah, you can't do that. Do you think you would be able to do that? No, of course yeah, not. No, I mean, should technically you? you can. Legally, you can do that. But yeah, but they're going to come back with it. it. Yeah, of course you are. And, exactly. and you should because you can't fire somebody. You can't fire somebody for that. Sorry. I mean, it's you can. Yes, but it's not. It's not, what I'm saying is it's, it's not right. I mean, that would be like saying Hooters can't hire specific persons for their jobs. What can't? What? Huh? Sure. Hooters, you know. Oh, Hooters. Oh, I thought you said I, I use I, I like, use Hooters. Hooters. I use Hooters as yeah. an example a lot because okay. they have a, a very specific employee base that they want. Yes. Yeah. And if you don't meet the criteria, you're not going to get hired. So I lean towards the employers can hire whoever the hell they want for whatever reason that, you know, whatever the I, I, I so if they want to fire someone because they're homosexual, that's in their that's in their purview. And honestly, the fact it's society's job, the consumer to dictate whether they like that or not. It's not the government's job to tell you you can or can't do that. That's why I don't like this uh, affirmative action or whatever the heck it is. That in and of itself is racist, the the way it's worded and, and is supposed to be executed. A business should be able to decide who they want to hire and who they want to fire for whatever reason they want. But yeah, we can't do that. So anymore, you're citing, So you agree with the school on this one? So when it comes to the one caveats it comes to is your political opinion and your religion. 
Those are those are constitutionally guaranteed things. So that's kind of where it, where it, legally it's it's there's uh-huh. a line there. Okay. But as far as things like gender, race, you know, those kind of things, race now is legal because of the, you know, the stuff that's passed. Right. And at the time it was needed. But yeah. Okay. So on up to Chicago. Now, we know that we've been having some problems in Chicago. Uh, what was it we talked about over Father's Day weekend? There was, what, 104 people shot, something along that, mm-hmm. something along those lines. 14 of those were fatal. This is where I think GP is going to get in on this conversation because he doesn't like uh, unnecessary violence going on anywhere, really, let alone one city. But 65 were shot just last weekend, just over the last few days. 65 were shot. 10 of those were mm-hmm. fatal. In Chicago. Now, I find this funny because the mayor of Chicago, Lori Lightfoot, she actually made it illegal for someone to shoot someone else in Chicago. So I I don't quite I don't quite see how someone can do that now because she's just made it illegal. But Breitbart reported on July 19th, so four days ago, that 50 people had been shot, at least six killed between Friday evening and Sunday morning alone. Those numbers rose as the rest of Sunday played out. But NBC came back and said Starting at Friday at 5.30 p.m. in the 8200 block of South Drexel, three individuals were standing on a sidewalk when someone opened fire from inside a vehicle and a 14 year old boy was hit in the face. A 20 man, a 21 year old man was hit in the arm and a 28 or 27 year old woman was hit in the in the ass. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. just yeah, I bet she doesn't find it funny. But anyway, situation. Yeah. So anyway. Let me see. Chicago Sun-Times reported that the latest shooting occurred Sunday night just before midnight around the uh, 11,300 block of Chicago's South Carpenter Street. A group of people were standing outside when someone opened fire, killing a 26-year-old man and a 41-year-old man and wounding three others. During the same weekend last year, this is where they're getting the uh, the uptick, in the same weekend last year, 43 people were shot, three were fatal. The increase in the victims this year is indicative of surging gun violence that shows no sign of abating. That, and that's true. So 60 people were shot, 10 fatally last weekend... And at least 70 were shot, 14 fatally the weekend before that. So we're seeing the uptick and we Isn't see the type of response. Gun there? It is. It is. Total gun ban in the city of Chicago. Total gun ban. But yet this is this is happening. So mm-hmm. Trump has done what in response, right? Obviously, the mayor doesn't care, right? She doesn't care. You see what happened when the alderman tried to actually bring some kind of attention to her forefront when he was talking about what's going on in his ward, what's going on in his neighborhood, how they got gangbangers out there on the corners right now with scores to settle with people. And she tells him he's full of it. Well, the numbers reflect that, don't they? Not really, but <laughs> it's yeah. um, oh, that he's full of it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. It doesn't. It, no, it doesn't show that at all. Mm-hmm. I, I was being sarcastic, but right, Trump right. has stepped in. Trump has stepped in. And he has said that he's going to deploy 150 agents to Chicago to fight what's going on there, the crime wave. He gave a statement the other day saying that it was worse than Afghanistan when it comes to what's going on out there. You've got the casualty rates that are higher than what we were seeing in Afghanistan. And he's right. He's right. So what are you supposed to do? If you as the mayor, I don't give a damn what city it is. If you as the mayor don't get a handle on what's going on as far as restoring law and order, in whatever respective city you live in, then you know what? Good. Good that the good that the feds can step in and do it. Because if you're not going to do it, and the governor's certainly not going to do it, well, then I guess it befalls upon the feds, doesn't it? So it becomes their responsibility. So I say good that he's sending these people in there. I don't like the fact that he's doing it, per se, because that's a federal overreach into the state's business. I don't like that, However, especially at the local level. But if you have a complicit, excuse me, Well, yeah, I guess it could be complicit in this case. If you have a complicit mayor, you have a complicit governor, city council people, police chiefs, 
administrators, what are you supposed to do? Are you supposed to let the city go up? Are you supposed to let people cower in fear in their homes, being too afraid to step outside? You're afraid of getting shot by some gangbanger if you go down to pick up some uh, some groceries for your family? You got people selling drugs outside your house where you got kids? They can't go to a, a, a playground and play? So if you have an administration in a city that wants to cut the police, defund the police, disband the police in the case of Minneapolis, and they don't want to support the community, they're turning their backs on the community... They're refusing to protect them. They're refusing to keep law and order. Then it is the Fed's responsibility to step in. What do you guys think? GP, do you want to air in first? You go ahead, because that's more your area about the federal government coming in and stepping on your toes. Well, uh, the first thing I kind of have to beef with is comparing it to Afghanistan. Now, maybe my memory's wrong on this, but I thought most of the injuries that were happening there in Afghanistan were IED related and not firearm related. Maybe maybe my uh, memory of that is, is a bit skewed. So, it, I mean, I, I know it's, it's still people were dying and uh, getting injured and so forth. But as far as having the federal government step in, okay, I, this is, I've kind of, you know, pointed the fact out that I'm, government's bad. You know, I, I really don't like Fed stepping in. However, on these topics, I'm iron fisted. When you start violating people's rights, livelihoods, and killing people, and the local government is unwilling to to handle it or un you know not capable of handling it the governor isn't seeking more aid like calling in national guard or what have you or or talking to the fed to try to get more aid or or what have you and they're allowing this to happen and in some cases empowering that uh, these criminals uh, in, in the case of the riots, for example, where we had the alderman saying, this is nuts. This is a war zone. Yeah, we need the police. You know, uh, we need action. And the mayor said, yeah, you're you're full of BS. Yes, it's time for the Fed to step in. And, you know, the what the, what the president said to the effect of I've given them 51 days to get their um, get their stuff sorted and they haven't done it. OK, now it's time to send in the Fed. And honestly, I feel like he gave him too much time personally, but he gave him a chance. He's being much more generous than I would have been. It's time to send in the Fed. It's time to send in National Guard, what have you. Quell the riots, quell the uprising. Yeah, it's it's, it's time. Well, here's my question. Has it always been like this? Look at every weekend before this situation happened. Is this, is this been just a, is this operation as normal? Is that how Chicago is every weekend anyway for the last how many years? Because she may be coming from the point that this is how the city is. And it's always been this way. It's just now getting attention. And that's her fault. It's a steady rise. You should have another leader. But does it mean that the feds? Yeah. Okay. Doesn't mean that the feds should step in necessarily, because if this has been a standard for a long period of time, Let's say we say it's a year, two years. I mean, what what was last year's numbers? Are they the same or less? Last year's numbers were twenty to thirty percent less, uh, specifically for last weekend. Okay, that's just la- against last weekend. But let's look at at a whole. Is it exactly the same? No, it's just it's, a, it, a mismanaged it. location. That's been this way for a long period of time. And now that we're getting attention to it, maybe we can elect some of, or they can elect some. Well, they won't because they keep them. They keep everybody just as ignorant as possible. And it's horrible. So Um, let me, let me bring it from this direction real quick. mm -hmm. If an area has their rights, constitutional rights being Mm -hmm. infringed upon in this instance, the second amendment, you're not able to defend yourself, your property, your life. Uh, if you do, if you defend yourself against one of these gangbangers, you're the one that goes to prison and That's the gangbanger horrible. gets released. 
That's what's happening in these large cities. So what do you do in that situation? Who do you who do you rely on to ensure your constitutional rights? All right, to well, ensure me, okay, your I'm life, gonna, liberty, and pursuit of happiness. I'm kind of going to go on this little avenue here. How? Mm-hmm. And I know Johnny's going to get just start buttering. How many people died from COVID nineteen in Chicago on that day? All of them. I'll answer the mm. question for you. I know all of them. I know that that's how they think. No, no, but seriously, how many people died from COVID nineteen on that day? I don't know that we'll know for six weeks. We're, yeah, we're, we're not okay. going to know that. Give, give, me, give me a daily average. Give me a Chicago daily average. 20, 10, 3, 6 million. Let's, uh, let's see here. What county is Chicago? Uh, Cook County. Cook County. Confirmed cases are at least uh, 99,000. Let's see. Deaths, 4,777. What happened this week? I don't know. I'm having difficulty finding it. Okay, well, it's about it's just about what you said. Four thousand. They've had four thousand deaths since it started. Yeah, four almost five thousand deaths since okay, it started. Okay, that's five yeah. months, hundred and fifty days. Hundred and divide that by uh, what's four thousand by one fifty? Twenty six point six. Okay, we'll, just, so we'll go with we'll say we'll say twenty five. I'm going to do for twenty five. Okay, where I'm going with this is that. Uh, you know, if they have look, they're locking down our cities. They're locking down everything for 25 people dying in a day from COVID-19. If we're losing more than that to gun violence, can't we do the same thing? Lock down the city. Tell this gun violence and murdering stops. You're not doing anything. Or is that more overreach of the government? Well, that's you're, you're looking at a situation there where you're ordering everything shut down, including like you're punishing businesses for what? Some gangbangers that don't want to follow the law. They're not going to follow the law anyway. Anyways, of course. I don't think it's right to punish businesses in that sense and shut down schools and keep kids out of schools to do. On, no, know, we would just that. have a, but then we would have a surge of violence against the gangbangers, yes. yes. destroying their business, destroying yeah. gangbanger business and drug dealing and destroy all of that. Well, anyway, to make um, it a more peaceful society. But yeah, whatever. Yes, this is actually going to go a little bit further than just Chicago. Monday, Trump said he was going to send more federal agents to other major U.S. cities experiencing an uptick in violence, such as New York City. We know what's going on in New York. It's a mess. It's a damn mess up there. What's happening? And they're cutting $1 billion from the NYPD, de Blasio, that useless mayor up there. Last week, federal agents were deployed to Portland to help quell the unrest there because they were so peaceful out there in the streets of Portland, weren't they? Mm. And you should see the narrative on the left leanings. Oh, my goodness. Uh, I saw... Yeah, absolutely. Because I saw one that they were doing it. They were doing an article about this one guy who was a peaceful protester and he relieved the stress through the form of a peaceful protest by lighting Molotov cocktails and throwing them at police. That's how they're painting it. Mm -hmm. That's how they're painting it. It's disgusting. It's disgusting. The mayors of Seattle, Atlanta, Chicago, Washington, Kansas City and Portland have protested the move in a letter to the U.S. Attorney General William Barr. I don't think he's going to hear that. And acting Secretary of Homeland Security Chad Wolf saying that the unilateral deployment of these forces in U.S. City is unprecedented, which is really not, and violates fundamental constitutional protections and tenets of federalism. (laughs) So standing by and allowing the neighborhoods and the communities to go up in flames And for people to be terrorized and scared to death and have their kids and themselves locked in their houses in fear. okay, where's their constitutional protection? Where's someone to protect them? They're completely disarmed. They're helpless in those cities. They have nowhere else to go. They're dependent on you, the city officials, to ensure that they are protected and you failed them. That to me is unprecedented. 
Not that you're going to send in people to restore law and order. That's not unprecedented. That's warranted. So I don't see how this violates fundamental constitutional protections and the tenets of federalism. Not when you stand by and you do nothing and you allow the community, law-abiding citizens to be terrorized in their own homes. I don't know how you consider that to be a violation of any kind. I I consider it to be a violation. Okay. I consider it to be a violation of their rights. They have a right to life. They have a right to liberty. They have a right to a pursuit of happiness. Do they have any of those things in Chicago? I would argue no. Or they're in danger of losing most of those. What about that right? President Trump has made it clear that the federal government stands by ready and willing to assist any of our state and local law enforcement partners across the nation responding to violent crime. Good, good. If the governors will do nothing, if the mayors will do nothing, then guess what? You know, that you had your chance. You had your chance. That's that's my stance on it. I'm sorry. And I, I like I said, I don't like this. I don't like this thing where you got the federal government to come in and do this. I don't like that. But they're forcing the Fed's hands at this point. Would you agree? Yeah, that, that's what it boils down to. Is it's what 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 do law-abiding citizens have? What else do they have to rely on? They can't rely on themselves to defend the, their own life and property, their livelihoods. So where else are they supposed to go? Well, the couple that did defend their livelihoods and their their livelihoods and their property. Right. You remember the St. Louis couple? You guys remember those? You know, the couple that went out and mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. the guy was waving around his AR-15. She had her old Walther out there and she was, yeah, waving around, pointing it around. Well, yeah. well guess Fantastic what? Fantastic gun control. Yes. Oh, yes. So, yeah. I mean, me personally, I would have mm-hmm. just had it slung over my or slung across my chest and I would have said, all right, I'm here. You know, that's that's it. So move on. That I mean, that's what I would have done. But. The St. Louis couple, they have been charged, which there was a, ser- a search warrant that was served on their property. What was it last week? And they went in and they uh, they uncovered the AR-15 rifle, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Which he uh, these are two lawyers. Do you think he's going to illegally have a possession of a firearm like that? I don't think so. I don't think so. So the fact that you went in, you ser- and as far as I'm concerned, the judge that signed off on that warrant should resign in shame. They should be ashamed of themselves. That's that's my stance on it. You ought to be ashamed of yourself, you lousy, stinking judge, whoever you are. You go into the couple's house, you violate their Fourth Amendment, you violate their Second Amendment, and you charge them. The DA down there, who's a Soros-backed prosecutor, by the way, the DA charged them the illegal use of arms for threatening peaceful protesters. That's what they charged them with. Quote from the, uh, the Soros-backed prosecutor, Kim Gardner. She says, we must protect the right to peacefully protest, and any attempt to chill it through intimidation will not be tolerated. Uh-huh. Okay. So the two residents, Mark and Patricia uh, McCloskey, were charged Monday following the incident last month, which the couple met protesters... Yeah, you should have seen the damage they did to that couple's gate and their property outside their upscale home, wielding firearms after demonstrators entered their private community to protest at the home of Mayor Lyda Cruson. She said that this is the prosecutor. She says it is illegal to wave weapons in a threatening manner at those participating in a nonviolent protest. And while we are fortunate this situation did not escalate into deadly force, this type of conduct is unacceptable in St. Louis. Okay, what about the conduct of the protesters? How about that? Where, where do we stand on that one, uh, prosecutor? Where do we stand on that one? What about the fact that they tore down their gate? Did you guys see pictures? Bruce, you saw pictures of the gate, right? You saw what they did? Yeah, I did. Yeah. Yeah. Disgusting. It wasn't just, they didn't just tear it down. It was violently tore. Like the oh, gate yeah. was bent and messed. Yeah, it was not. It was mangled. It's it a was metal. ripped metal. Yeah. It, it was an iron gate. It was, it was anchored in the stone, like the sandstone uh, blocks. It was mm-hmm. anchored in that. Mm-hmm. And they completely, I mean, they de- they destroyed it. You can't fix it. It was an antique iron gate. You can't fix that. I mean, what I saw of it, it was just, it was beyond, it was mangled beyond repair. Yeah. So 
what about that action? What about the, the criminal damaging of private property? How about that? You can't charge what? You can't charge 500 protesters? How about the fact that they were standing there? You could clearly hear them, the protesters. You could clearly hear them on the video yelling at the couple. We're going to come into your house. We're going to kill you. We're going to kill your dog. We're going to live in your house. We're going to shower in your house. We're going to burn your house to the ground after we loot it. How about that? Instead, you're going to go after the the law-abiding couple that are just trying to defend themselves in their home? Everything's backwards. lots Lots of crimes were committed that day. Which crimes do you ignore and which crimes do you allow? Well, like I said, I, I'm looking at the couple here. I do agree because we, we've all seen the video. I do agree that, yes, the way that they handled themselves when it came to displaying their brandishing their firearms. Yes. OK, that was a little bit out of line. Like I said, I would have been there with it slung across my chest and I would have had a sidearm. on. That would have been it. It would have been holstered just to show the presence. Right. That's it. Because a lot of times, if you just show presence like that, then that's enough to be a deterrent in and of itself. That's what should have happened here. But that didn't happen. So if you go about it saying that, oh, well, you know, you were pointing it at people. OK, fine. You know, you can construe it like that. But I'm saying if we're going to charge a crime like this, then we need to look at the other side of it, too. Why were they standing out there in the first place? Why were they out there with their firearms to begin with? When you have the people yelling the things that I was saying, which you could clearly hear on the video to the couple. I mean, I can't say I would have done any different, although I would have handled it slightly different when it came to brandishing the firearm. I would, like I said, it would have been slung across my chest so I could easily grab it if I needed to. But the prosecutor is right when she says that we're fortunate this situation didn't escalate into deadly force. Yes, she's right on that part. I agree. You never want that to happen. But here's the other side of this, too. The state of Missouri also has the castle doctrine. You have the right to defend your property, not just your home. See, I come from Ohio. Ohio's different. Someone comes into your home. If they forcibly break into your home, that's when you can take action. In the state of Missouri, it's different. They have the castle doctrine. Ohio doesn't have the castle doctrine. Castle doctrine means if someone is on your person or someone is on your property, then you can take action. So even with the castle doctrine in and of itself, I think they're able to argue because they're both, like I said, they're both lawyers. So you could use the castle doctrine to to ensure yourself of, uh, of a little bit of legal protection here, I think. Uh, Bruce, what are your thoughts? Yeah. So the other thing I, that, okay, so we, we've already talked about their, their, their gun control techniques and their um, lack thereof. However, that's not illegal. The, the, the problem, okay, so the thing about it is they met the force that was being pushed on them with equal force, right? They didn't de-escalate things or attempt to de-escalate things. They went straight to, okay, we're going to we're going to use force to defend ourselves if you're going to attack us, right? That's the the method that they went to. They didn't try to de-escalate. And that's something that I would recommend they would have done to try to de-escalate the situation or whatnot, which you know you can't do that, but uh, with these protesters, right? But nonetheless, some of them may have backed down so on and so forth. So, I'm more uptight about their the the, the handling of this. However, they abi- they were abiding by the law. Second Amendment right to keep and bear arms, castle doctrine. These people were threatening their lives, their property, and they met it with equal force. So they have a defense there and there should be no legal action taken against them. The the other issue issue I have with this, the protesters, quote unquote, which are really rioters and you know the aggressors here, there's nothing being done against them. It's fine. Basically, the message is if you try to defend yourself against these rioters, you're the one that's going to be imprisoned. You're the one in the, that's in, in the wrong. 
or we're just going to bury you in litigation fees. Which in this case, they're saying that uh, the prosecutors come out and said that um, the McCloskeys were charged with a felony unlawful use of a weapon and a misdemeanor assault. She suggested that the case could be handled out of the court through a diversion program saying that it would serve as a fair resolution, though she didn't elaborate on what that might entail, meaning they'll probably just cut a deal somewhere behind the uh, behind the wall there. Um, mm-hmm. But yes, that's what's going on out there. And that's just, man, I, I'm sorry. You know, I, I can't say that they did anything wrong here other than, yes, the, the misuse of the way that you were handling the firearm. OK, fine. But like you said, Bruce, that's not illegal. Yeah. The other thing that I'm, I'm seeing here is technically, I, I would say they have a case to sue the city because yes. the city they did not protect they were not like law enforcement was not ensuring that their safety and so on and so forth so i mean you could come at them with with the the same level of bs they're throwing at you yeah so there's a new poll out and it shows a majority of americans now oppose black lives matter right so they're saying that the numbers have flipped since early june i wonder why any guesses as to why before i get down into this any guesses as to why that might be why, why do you think that agenda is flipped if this is indeed the case? It's going to be a survey that's conducted by civics, uh, and they show that early June, 44% of Americans supported BLM and 34% opposed it. However, those numbers have now changed with 41% supporting and 44% opposing the movement. Hmm. It's a very small change, but it's, because yeah, more and more people are getting informed about kind of movement it is. Right. So you're saying that and there's a million are- memes out there that keep saying, where's Black Lives Matter? Child killed. Where's Black Lives Matter? 44 uh-huh. shootings. Where's Black Lives Matter? And enough of Chicago. that for people understand. Yeah, people Chicago. are understanding that. But unfortunately, not everyone understands what Black Lives Matter really is. I don't I hate that they called it that. I hate they should have called it Marxist anti-police movement. <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah, right. Right. Yeah. So you're saying you're, you're saying that people are finally just they're, they're waking up to it. They're, they're going to the website. They're reading what their charter is. They're, they're understanding what the meaning is behind the movement itself. They're listening to other people that are coming out and calling it out like Lord Jamar and the rest of them, they're coming out saying that it's uh, it's a movement that's run by George Soros. This isn't our movement. It's one that was given to us. You're saying that that's what people are following now. They're paying more attention. Some people, some people are following on that. It's a movement that was given to them. Yes, some people are following on that. But some people are also just, you know, and then we all cause always have the people that are like, oh, my God, all I see is BLM and violence. So, you know, those people are against it. And I don't know why 41, you know, the 41 percent, the people that are saying that they're for BLM, I don't think they even understand the charter. I think a good vast majority of them do not know what the charter says. Yeah. Do you, do, also- do you honestly believe that all the kids, if they were told, you know, by the way, it's uh, it's about taking down cisgender males and then they would most of these kids would look at you confused. And then you say against one gender males, are you a male or you're not? Well, yeah, I'm a male. Well, did the movements against you? Most of my generation and younger, all the ones that I know of, know exactly what they're referencing there. Mm-hmm. Now, if I was asked, like my grandparents, for example, or even my parents, yeah, they wouldn't know what it is. They, they've not heard the term sister. Right. So that's what I'm saying. There's a portion of people that aren't going to understand that. They're not going right, to understand, right. you know, where it goes into, you know, that's. Hell, I didn't understand what it was until you two told me what family. it was. Oh, yeah. <laughs> right. I mean, seriously. Yes. I mean, and we're in the right. stuff every day, yeah. right? We're in the stuff every day. Right. And it's like that just popped up out of nowhere. And I'm like, I mean, within the last couple of years, that's popped up. And I'm like, what in the hell is that? You're so, sounding yeah. very pan there, 
Johnny. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> let's just go so, with everything. Um, yeah, yeah, let's just go with it. But it's I think you're right, though. It, it's the flip, like the flip and support, right? That's it's also I think it's been fueled by two months of like the rioting, the looting and, and burning and all this stuff that's going on. I think that has a lot to do with it as well. People are seeing it. They're associating it with that violence. And and that's what's going on. But you still have corporations that are on board with it. Like they're in the ones like that are, that are supporting it. The NBA is going to be on board with it. The NFL is on board with it. Nike's on board with it. Intel, Microsoft, uh, Sony, Apple, Pepsi, all these companies that Ubisoft, they're all on board with this stuff. However, one company that's come out and said, now, wait a minute, I don't think we're going to do this. Red Bull, right? The energy drink company, Red Bull, they've come out and said that they're not going to endorse it. There were two directors who tried to pressure the company into taking a pro-BLM stance, and Red Bull fired those two guys. Man, good on them. Yeah. So, I mean, you've got a little bit of corporate pushback within their own structures on this as well. But it's, again, GP, it's what you said. It's like the founders, they openly state the movement's about overthrowing capitalism. And they, they say it's about uh, destroying the patriarchy of Western ideals, the family and, and everything else. They, they openly admit mm-hmm. that. So, yes, I think I think you're right here. I think that's what it is. Let's get over into some election news, shall we? I think we st- we still have an election coming up this year, right? In like 150 days or something. You'd never know that. Yeah, I mean, you, you'd yeah, never know that they uh, can't. I, I think that's another reason they're trying to drag this covid nonsense on in the U.S. because they can't put Biden on the stage. They can't do it. They're like Trump would have that guy for lunch. They can't do it. So they've got to keep him off the stage. But the first votes in the 2020 election are going to be cast in six weeks. We got early voting coming up. So you've got Michigan, Pennsylvania, and North Carolina. They're going to start voting in September, early voting. That's just, by the way, that's just a way for both sides to steal the votes they haven't already stolen. That's all early voting is. They're going to be casting the votes in six weeks. So let me get this straight. The conventions are supposed to be in July and August. No, conventions are in August, right? Isn't that right? Uh, So... So the Republican convention was supposed to happen really like, I don't remember. I'm wanting to say it was like a week ago, but was it the GOP, or, the GOP or, delegates? They still want to go like they, they still want they the still want to go. Yeah. But the mayor of the city, I, I don't remember which city they were doing it in. It was a, a very left leaning city in Texas. The mayor was like, yeah, you're not doing that here. Fine, and go somewhere so else. they filed they filed a lawsuit and all this kind of stuff and uh, file a lawsuit, move yeah. on to the next city. Yeah, that's what they, I don't know if that's what they're doing or not, because there's a lot of the GOP, a lot, I say a lot, there's some of the GOP is standing up and saying they're not going to vote for Trump, they're going to vote for Biden. They will, yes. The first absentee ballots will be sent out in North Carolina starting on September 4th. Voters in Pennsylvania will be able to request, fill out and turn in absentee ballots in person starting, why would you fill out an absentee ballot in person? That uh, Starting on September 14th, followed by voters in Michigan on September 19th. They're centering all this, like this early voting stuff. They're centering all this early voting crap around COVID because they have to keep up with that narrative. They're, I don't think they're going to allow uh, any of the debates. They're trying to stop the actual conventions from happening on both sides. They don't want Biden on the ticket, I don't think. I I, th- I really think they're going to try and get rid of him. They're not going to put him on the ticket. I think they're going to try and do the same thing with Trump too. You've got the movement behind Trump that you know that, that's you know, from the grassroots. The people they want him, but the GOP establishment doesn't want him. So they're moving to have him removed at the convention as well from the Republican side, which the funny thing is Trump's not even a Republican. That's what's funny about all this. You have both sides that want to dump the candidates off their ticket 
And so they want them replaced. And I think they want to do this. This is why they're pushing for virtual conventions. This is just my opinion. This is why they're pushing for virtual conventions, because they can remove Trump. They can remove Biden. And there will be no opposition from actual constituents that will be there. The delegates, yes, you'll have the delegates there. But if it's virtual, I mean, there's no pushback. I think the Democrats are still going for the convention in Milwaukee. And if Bernie's not named on the on the ticket in Milwaukee, then, well, we know what his people are going to do, right? If he's not on the ticket, then they're going to they're supposedly going to riot. So there's Milwaukee burned to the ground because they have already said they're going to. So what do you think? Do you think they're going to keep him on the ticket? Do you think they're going to continue these shenanigans? They're going to try to pull all this. Are they going to have a debate? Because we're supposed to be heavy into debate territory right now. We're supposed to be seeing presidential debates. We're supposed to be laughing at all the different things that they're talking about. So I think they just want to shut down the conventions. I I think they just want virtual conventions because neither party wants to keep said candidates, which, by the way, they've not been named as the official, quote, candidates yet. Have you noticed that they haven't actually been accepted as the nominees yet? I don't think the GOP can if they want to remain GOP, they want to remain a political party. They're not going to be able to abandon Trump if they do. That'll be the last time that they're elected again. I mean, I think there is a lot of people that are still for Trump. I know what the polls are saying. I know what the the, the problem is, is when you look at the demographics and, and their methodologies. Yeah, I don't trust them. And I'm also concerned that people are just not telling the truth because they're legitimately concerned that if they were to speak their mind and say, yeah, I'm voting for Trump, they get fired from their job like the teacher or they get accosted by their peers. So it's a, it's a peer pressure kind of a thing. So I think they're they're hiding their real stance. So I don't think they're able to get rid of Trump uh, in this. And the other thing is, is who are they going to replace him with? Mitt Romney. <laughs> he would he would run as a Democrat today. He'd have to. He'd have to. Yeah. So no, I don't think honestly, I think well. I, no, honestly, I think that's who they're going to replace him with. If they can replace, if they can get get away with replacing Trump on the ticket, the Republican ticket, I'm serious. That's who the GOP would put up there. I could see the GOP trying that, yes, but it wouldn't go anywhere as far as the as far as Americans are concerned. I I, oh, no. I still no. think, yeah. So the state of Texas, right? Texas is one of these battleground states, of course, swing state, right? Ted Cruz, which you, you know, Senator that, Ted yeah. Cruz, the the guy that got. Uh, yelled at because he took a drink of coffee on an airplane. You, you remember that? Mm, yeah. yeah. Yeah, him. He uh, He's come out and he's sounding the alarm on Republicans losing Texas in 2020. What have I been saying? That that state's purple. That's not it's not a red state anymore. That state's purple. You're going to lose that state. And you've got the good old boy mentality in Texas, which, you know, God love them. You got the good old boy mentality in Texas. They're saying, oh, that'll never happen. You better wake up, man. What's going on in those cities down there? Because that's what they're doing. That's what the Democrats are doing. They will go in, they will take over the cities, and they will flip the states. We saw it in Kentucky. We saw it in Virginia in the gubernatorial races, didn't we? Mm -hmm. You saw what happened in the state of Kentucky. You had five counties, five, five counties that were blue. The rest of the state was red, was blood red. And what happened? The state flipped. Same thing in Virginia. I think you had like uh, eight, seven or eight counties there. Seven or eight counties, solid blue. The rest of the state, blood red. And they flipped the state. This is what they're going to do in Texas. Have you seen what's going on? Have you seen, the, no offense, GP, have you seen the California expats in Texas? You go out into the suburbs and what do you see? Yes, it's terrible. It is. It is. Because they bring that ideology with them. It's like, wait a minute, you left a place because it was a hellhole. No offense. I'm sorry. I don't, I don't, I really don't. 
I'm sorry, but you leave the policies that have destroyed your state and your city and your county. You leave there because you don't want to live like that anymore. You go to another part of the country where it's not like that. And you bring that ideology with you that destroyed the place you came from. This is what Ted Cruz is warning about. He's saying it's all over if they win. Ted Cruz warned the Texas GOP at the state convention, said if Democrats win the Lone Star State, the White House and the Senate are both gone. And he's right. He's right. I keep hoping he's wrong, but I know he's right. No, he's not. No, he's right. A quote from him. He says, every one of those crazed, angry leftists that showed up in 2018, they're showing up in 2020 and they're even angrier. He's right. He's right. You see how unhinged everyone has become? Not not just on one side or, or the other here, on both sides, actually. You see how unhinged people have become, especially on one side more than the other, I suppose. You could look at it like that. The last five Texas polls in a row have shown that President Trump and Joe Biden in a virtual tie. Cruz has said that this is a real race. And he's right. He's right. Uh, he says, make no mistake, the Democrats and the liberal media, they're doing everything they can to take Texas. They told us they were going to. Yeah. They told yeah. us for a while that, that that was their intention. That's true. He says, in just two years ago... All of us saw an all-out political or what an all-out political assault looks like in my race against Beto O'Rourke. Yeah, you guys remember that one? You know the guy that you know the the guitar player that was in the bar. Yeah, him. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. The guy that was doing push-ups and and um, and putting Periscope videos of his dentist visits out there. <laughs> yeah, the uh, the race he had against uh, uh, against Ted Cruz. Uh, Cruz has said that the race was unlike anything Texas had ever seen before, and he's right. He says we've got four months to stop a blue wave from destroying the great state of Texas. They hate President Trump, and far too many of them hate America. I, I can't disagree with the guy. You know, I, I don't really stand with with uh, with Ted Cruz on a lot the last few years because he's just been kind of. I don't know. He's been a little off. But when the guy's right, he's right. And he has all my respect for what he did with the Obamacare filibuster. He's the only senator in my lifetime that I've ever seen do this personally, that I've ever seen personally do this. He stood up there and filibustered for what was it like 26 hours, 26 hours at the podium. (laughs) Unbelievable. Unbelievable. 26 hours he stood up there and do or something like that. It was I know it was over 24. Yeah, like I said, anybody that stands up there for 26 hours and does that, man, that's you got my respect. I don't care what side you come from. If you can stand up there that long and not even take a, a restroom break, <laughs> good on you, man. But yes, when he's right, I'll stand with him. When he's wrong, I won't. But last couple of years, he's done uh, quite a few things. I'm like, oh, come on, man. But here lately, since all this that has been going on with all this Trump thing, he stood his ground. Uh, and I, I can't I can't fault him for that. I can't fault him for that. So but he's absolutely right when it comes to Texas. He is right when it comes to Texas. And people people better wake up down there. I mean, you, what's it going to take? Is it going to take the state going blue? Because when a state goes blue, you know how hard it is to get it back. Do you have any idea how hard it is to get it back? GP, you and I sat down one day. We looked at the election results for the state of California at the mm-hmm. state level. We looked at the election results of California going all the way back to the 50s in the Ronald Reagan era when he was governor. Right. Mm hmm. Back in the 1950s, in the 1950s, this is just to give you an idea of how far we've shifted. Back in the 1950s, the state of California was more red than Texas is today. That right there, just in and of itself, should be a wake-up call. A lot of it has to do with immigration. So as more people immigrate, you know, as more immigrants come into this country, they're automatically given the pamphlet here. Here's where you get your benefits. Here's where you get, um, you know, here's what you can qualify, what you don't qualify for. And also vote Democrat. Thank you very much. Have a great day. Don't forget. And our popu- <laughs> also vote Democrat. Don't have a great day. Sorry. I was just. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> I mean, that's pretty much how it goes over here. And that's what the Dems did. I mean, they that's how they've acquired so much of the votes. It's, you know, the Republicans have always been about 
pro, you know, about changing things, getting things done, more equality, helping each other, you know, get up, get your, get yourself, you know, self-reliant. Yeah. But they never had a push on, okay, you know what we're going to do? We're going to, uh, you know, uh, take over the welfare state and uh, try and get as many people on welfare as we can so we can control them. It's not part of the, it's not part of that, that leaning area of the Republican Party. The Dems were very smart in doing that if they wanted to maintain power. There's always more poor than rich. Right. And we were talking about how and they if you keep also- them poor, if you keep them poor longer, that's even better. And then multi-generational poor. And then here's the thing. The Democrats, what do they control in every state? Education, welfare. How do you beat a system like that? Um, do, do you really want me to do, do you really want me to say that? Yeah, seriously. How, okay. how do you uh, go in there yourself and do it? Yes, but that's not no. what they're doing. No, 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 no. Here's how you beat that. You start a process and I'm going to take the mayor Rudy Giuliani approach here. I got plenty that I don't like about Giuliani. OK, but in this sense, what he did in New York, in New York City, OK, Mayor Giuliani, when he was mayor of New York, he got 500,000 people, just over 500,000, half a million people in New York City. He got them off of welfare. Do you know how he did that? How's that? He doubled he doubled the benefits office. So the welfare office, social services office, he doubled it as an employment agency, which is essentially it's kind of what they do where I'm at. You have it gave him a three strike rule, kind of it, it's something to that effect. The squeegeeman, right? In, in New York City, he went after the squeegeeman, mm-hmm. which the squeegeeman are back, by the way. So he gave him an opportunity to get a job. You go in to, to file for benefits, to sign up for benefits, or if you go in to renew your benefits, your social security checks or whatever it is, then they were also offering you jobs that were going to pay you more than what the state was going to give you. So if people were saying, hey, well, wait a minute, um, I, I can make more money doing that. OK, I'll do that. And he was working them out of the welfare system, getting people off of welfare in the city County and state of New York, that's no easy task. That is no easy task. And I mean, no disrespect to the good people of New York. I mean, no disrespect. That's not what I'm meaning here. What I'm saying is, is you have a dependent class of people that see no other opportunity. So they have no ambition. They have no drive. They have no will to want to succeed because they don't see an opportunity right in front of them. So if you have an employment agency that's working at the social services office that says, well, we're going to seek out these things for you so you don't have to really do anything. We're going to offer you a guaranteed job, not a job service kind of thing where, well, go here and fill out an application. They might hire you. Not that. No, we're going to offer you a guaranteed job. All you have to do is show up. Wait, it might be something working at the parks department, working as a as a sanitation worker, uh, working as a as a bookkeeper or a library. I don't know. Right. It, it could be any of those things. Working at Yankee Stadium as a ticket taker. I don't know. But if you get offered a job, and an offer, not not a just to show up and see if they'll hire you kind of thing, a real offer. And you have a chance to get out of that system and you have a chance to build a life for yourself, build some of that intergenerational wealth you're talking about and get yourself where you can be put in a position where the government helps you to help yourself. That's what Mayor Giuliani did. That's what he did. And it worked. It worked. And of course, you see now all that's been gone back on by de Blasio, uh, but it's it's worked. And I think that's the key. I, I think that right there, that type of system, if we're going to keep the uh, the welfare system, then we've got to figure out a way to work people out of it. But we have to offer them something that's guaranteed to get them out of it. You see what I mean? I do. Would it work today, though? 
is the question. It has, has people's mindset changed because of the, the recent upbringings with you know, our generation, for example? They don't think the same way they did 30 years ago when, you know, this this worked. That's true. But I think, uh, yeah, and I think you're right. It'd be a good thing, though, to at least try. Uh, and I think that's that's what yeah, we have to do. We have to try. Uh, and if it doesn't if it doesn't work, then what have we lost? Nothing, really. But I think you're you're going to get people out of that system. But once you see that or once people get a taste of actually seeing some kind of opportunity, see these kids that are coming up today, the ones that are in these universities, why are they out there in the streets? Why are they rioting? Why are they burning? Because they've been educated in the institutions that have told them that there is no future for them in this system. They don't know how to compete in the system, so they have to destroy it. That's what's going on in their heads. They have no connection to this system at all. The system that's created more wealth, more prosperity and more opportunity than any other system that's out there. I'm not knocking European systems. Glad you have systems that work for you. But we created what we did in the US because we had the opportunity for all to take advantage of. And now that system has turned into this massive cancerous tumor of corruption that has, it's the swamp, right? It's got to be flushed out. And we have to get back to a sense of, we got to start somewhere, right? We got to start somewhere. We got to start over. And we've got, that doesn't mean tear the system down, but we've got to offer people a future in that system. See, they think they have no future in it because that's what they've been told. That's what they've been raised to believe. I think it's worse than that. Our generation was taught that the system's corrupt, that there's no saving it, that they don't want to be involved in this system because of the corruption, because they believe the entire thing is corrupt and there's no there's no redeemable value in it. So the only thing left to do is completely replace it. That's what they're being taught now. So why would you want to be involved in a system that's that's fully corrupt? You know, I mean... Why not rely on the government? Because they're offering you a better, a, a quote unquote, better solution because you don't have to work. You just, you know. Well, the system has has become corrupt. Yes. But like I said, this is where we like we have to flush that out. This is the whole drain the swamp movement. Right. That, that's got to go. We've got to get that part of it out of the way. Once we do that and we have a, a solid starting point, we can build a foundation off of that. that that's kind of where I was going with it. No, I, I totally agree with you. But my point is, is our generation is that way, though. They've been taught by the universities, by the schools. They've been taught the system's broken and that there's no fixing it. So, yes, we can see solutions and and things, but they have been conditioned to think, to perceive the world a different way than we do. So how do we how do we get to them? Well, that's the hard part. And I really I really don't have a definitive answer on that one. Uh, And I wish I did, because I haven't quite figured that one out yet when I've been going through war game and all this stuff. How do you get through to two lost generations of people. How do you get through to that? And I don't have an answer. I'm not saying I'm not going to have one, but right now I don't have a clear answer as to as to what that is. However, I do have a starting point, and that's what you and I are sitting here discussing now. That I think is a starting mm-hmm. point. And like I said, you have to give them an opportunity. If you can show them, "Hey, there is a future here," and you actually show them success, if you show it to them, see, the problem is, is this is why they're out there advocating to overthrow the system and stuff, because they have no idea what they're helping to foster to bring in. They have no idea what they're doing. And it's not going to wake them up to it until they are put in that system. Once they're in that system and they see what it is, they won't want it. They'll do everything they can to get out of it. This is why I say the ones that are out there with their $1,000 smartphones and their $200 skinny jeans that are advertising things for like communism and socialism, go into that system. Please just go into that. Go into that system. Look what it does to people. These will be the first people out there on the streets because they won't have a home. They'll be out there starving and they'll be complaining 
to one of these uh, secret police that, uh, that that it's not a paradise because that's what they've been promised, that it's going to be some kind of a paradise and they're going to get their asses stomped and they're going to get hauled off to a prison camp for criticizing the people's paradise. That's what it's going to take to wake those people up. But we can avoid that, I think. We can really head, head that off at the pass because if we can show hey, we have a system here, and that's what it comes down to. It's the fight over which system is going to be better. And we already know which system is better. If we can get the corruption cleaned out and we can show, hey, this is a system right here that everybody gets a fair shot in, but you have to work for it, right? You, you have to work for it, but this is what you can do. What, you don't like Jeff Bezos? Go out, compete him. You don't like Elon Musk? Go compete against him. I mean, that, that's where I see it. This is where, I, you know, GP, we talk about the uh, the people that get into like Bezos's wealth and all that stuff. He earned it, didn't he? Yes, he did. Every penny. He and we it. helped him do it. Exactly. But because he built a helped product and service that everybody wants. He didn't yes, take he it built, from us. No, he did not. Yeah. We we throw it at him because he built a product and a service that people want. So that's what he does. So he earned his money. That doesn't mean that he stole it from you, but that's what they're being taught. We have to teach them, okay, this is what you want. This is what you want to be. You think everybody needs to to live like Jeff Bezos? Okay, go and compete against him. Start up a company. And here's the, the key of that. You have to allow startup companies to exist. See, right now, it's very difficult for a startup company to get any kind of traction. It's very difficult for any kind of small business to make it over there right now because of the regulations and the taxes and all the BS that they have to go through. We need to take the foot of government off of that and the IRS and all of it. It all has to come off. And we have to let the free market burn white hot. And we got to turn this machine back on. That's what we got to do. You want to wake up that generation, then we got to start somewhere. And it starts with showing them that they have a future and an opportunity to be something far greater than what they're being shown and what they're being taught. How do you convince them that they have a future when we still retain the same politicians? Again, we still have drain the swamp, drain the swamp. It's got it's all got to go. It's all got to go. But but we have to be able to do it in a sense where we preserve our system, right? The American system, we have to preserve it. We have to see I'm I I don't believe the system is broken. The corruption is bad. Yes. But I don't believe the system is broken. I believe that the system can be reformed and we can retain what made us great. I I believe that because it's been proven to work. It's not perfect. It's got problems. Of course it does. No system's perfect, but it's a hell of a lot better than most of the other systems out there. And and I don't mean any disrespect if you're not from the US. I, I don't mean any disrespect at all. But our system has been proven to work and we can really make that work. But we've got to get rid of this this corruption. We've got to um, we, we've got to get back to our, our basic founding principles in order for us to do that. Uh, yeah. GP, do you have any uh, do you have any final thoughts? Your pick up a piece of trash campaign. <laughs> well, you already got it. But let's be nicer to each other. <laughs> Please, Dear gosh, I am just seeing nothing but violence going on. Yeah. Holy right. moly. You're right. Yes, you're right. Um, While you're picking up trash. Yes. And, you know, I, I met a guy today. He's all about the ecology and being kind to the environment. And I said, you know what? I said, it, it all starts with us. It all starts with us. Yes. Doesn't it? it starts Absolutely. with you. Independence starts with you. And so as GP says, and I don't want mean to step on his toes and take words out of his mouth, but as we're going through our neighborhoods, can we just pick up a piece of trash? Just one. Can, can we just start with one and then we can work our way up from there? It all starts with you and it starts with yes. one piece of trash. So let's take care of our communities just a little bit more. For those of you who have not and you would like to, please do give us a follow over on the social media platform of Parlor. Uh, we like all your echoes, your comments, your likes, your upvotes. 
Uh, we love it when you give us feedback, good or bad. We accept all of it. We do enjoy hearing from you whenever you do drop us a line, drop us some suggestions. You can follow me over there. I'm at Anderson 3 You can follow Marty at Marty Foster. Thank you for your time today, Bruce. Thank you for your time today, GP. And from all of us here, wherever you are in the world, we thank you for listening because it's all of you that listen that make this all possible. We love you and we love freedom and independence. And together we'll continue to fight for those in the marketplace of ideas. So we'll see all of you tomorrow.